It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The big story was, um, while the weather was nice this morning, Dennis, Tiger Woods was on the driving range, and he looked uh, pretty darn good uh, hitting hitting the golf ball. And just a couple updates to get into before we start giving our opinions about Tiger Woods' chances here. Uh, at Augusta this week, will he make the cut? Will he play well? I just wanted to share some quotes. And first and foremost, Tiger Woods said at his press conference after this morning's practice session, he said, quote, as of right now, I feel like I'm going to play. He said, quote, I can hit it just fine. Walking is the hardest part. 72 holes is a long road and it's a challenge that I'm up for. And hearing him say that, seeing Tiger on the range this morning, Dennis, at this point last week, I don't even consider Tiger teeing it up at Augusta. But where do you stand today about um, what we'll, we'll what we'll witness over the next three or four days? I, I, honestly, I'm stunned. He he looks amazing. Everything I've heard about you know from his practice rounds, from walking the course, from seeing his body. If you look at him, he looks like he's in better shape than he, when he won in 2019. It's an amazing thing. It's really all credit to him for, you know, focusing on his recovery and probably planning ahead to this very week to get back in, you know, in competition. I'm surprised that his first competition will be at the Masters since the injury. But in reality, it it seems like the perfect place for him to return. So uh, I'm super excited. I'm glad I jumped on uh, him making the cut at plus 175 when it was posted. Um, I had a feeling because I had heard things that he, he looked really good at medalists the week before. So now that it looks like he's going to play, I mean, that, that number is probably going to go down to like plus 110 to make the cut by the time it starts. It, it, it's remarkable. And to, to add to add even some more context, uh, I felt like – the Open Championship, the 150th Open Championship, Dennis, this July at St. Andrews was maybe the perfect place for him to return, considering how short the golf course is and how flat it is out there. Yep. And to think that he is playing at Augusta National, the famous rolling hills where it's going to be a tough walk. The fact that that's happening, I'm with you. I'm I'm absolutely stunned as well. So. Let me just uh, go through what we're going to get into today. We appreciate all the athletic subscribers being here. Remember, if you are an athletic subscriber in this room, uh, you can ask to be on stage. 
just raise your hand and, and we'll, we'll bring you on the stage and, and you can ask Dennis or I a question about the Masters this week. We're excited to talk to you and get into the chat as well. Um, if you got a question, if you don't want to join the show and put your voice on the show, you can throw us a question in the chat. We're really excited to, to talk to you. Um, so Dennis Esther is our uh, golf betting expert here at The Athletic. Dennis, you already have a couple different articles coming out have, that have come out this week, and there, there's more to come as well. So um, what I wanted to do was was start with your, your column yesterday uh, about, you know, Masters odds and picks and go through some of the players that you wrote about uh, and, and starting with, with outright winners this week, if that's all right with you. No, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, yeah, so first, I mean, go right ahead. Let's start with JT. You've got him listed here, and he's at the top of your board. He's at the top of my board. I mean, John Rahm's the betting favorite for good reason. Uh, former number one player in the world. But uh, JT, just you know, leading up to this week, I felt like his game has been coming around. He's gaining so many strokes on approach. It's everything kind of looks like right before he won won the Players Championship last year. And I think getting through last year's adversity, the off the field, off the course stuff, um, even the on course adversity of, of his putter going cold, especially at the Masters, from what we remember, after the rain delay, he lost his mojo. Really, uh, you know, he had three putt, and that just sunk him for the week. Um, and I think this year he he's ready to go. He he looks amazing. I'm surprised he hasn't won already. You know, a good Sunday at Valspar, he would have won. So, you know, everything for me points to this being Justin Thomas's time. And uh, I'm really excited about getting him. You know, 14 to 1 is not a great price. He was a little bit better earlier in the year, but not much better because he's been, he's had so many top 10s to start the year. You, you really weren't getting him better than 20 to 1 at the Masters, unlike some other players who've had fantastic years and seen their numbers drop. One thing I, I really like about JT, Dennis, and by the way, you can follow Coach Esther on Twitter, um, at Coach Esther. That's where you can find Dennis. You can find the links to his stories and follow along as, as we're discussing today. One thing I like about JT, uh, especially at Augusta, is his creativity around the greens, his ability to pick the ball off of short, tight fairway lies that you're going to see all week. Um, if if he does end up missing the greens, I, I do think that he's he's somebody that could that can get up and down. Uh, and for me, it would be appropriate to to see JT put on the green jacket. Like he feels like the class of player, Dennis. That you know, if if Sunday afternoon rolls around and and he's coming down the stretch and and he's honored at the end, no one would be surprised, right? So so I, I really love the fact that that you're identifying him. He's somebody that I identified last year as well. And but maybe this is the year. Uh, for yep. JT. Maybe this is the year that he gets it done. Uh, Jordan Spieth you have as well here next on your list at, at 16 to one, uh, a past champion who has had success and also has struggled. Uh, yeah. He's had, he's had his nightmares and he's also had his successes. Um, you know, Jordan, Jordan's in an interesting spot this year. Last year he came in and he was on an unbelievable run as far as, um, his, his approach play. His, his driving last year was really on point. This year, it's kind of been a mixed bag. Um, but it looks like he's turned it around with his driver and his irons the last uh, two tournaments. The only thing is, his putter has completely gone haywire. Um, 
that's why I'm I'm looking at him because you can actually shop him up to 22 to 24 to one at uh, certain books, which to me is a no brainer on speed uh, with his what he can do here. So for me, you know, I look at this over seven strokes loss at the Valero Texas Open, that three putt that everybody saw on Twitter where he just, you know, he looked lost. He just, he. He wasn't concentrating. He looked like me playing with my friends on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think man. he's going to get back on the greens here. He's going to get on that practice green, and he's going to find his stroke again. Um, and I love the fact that he gained over 10 strokes tee to green at the Valero Texas Open. It, it, it shows me that his game is, is starting to peak just before, you know, he needs to get on the stage, which is exciting because of – you know, course history is so important here. So at least if he's got some kind of positive going in, it makes me think that, you know, that's a good option to take, especially if you can find him at 22 to one right now. I, I feel like we're, we're, we're living in the twilight zone here. Dennis talking about putting being the weakness of Jordan Spieth's <laughs> game right now, which throughout his entire career has been his ultimate weapon, which I, I think you might be on to something here. If, if if he is playing well tee to green and that putter comes around, if he if he starts to get comfortable this week during his practice rounds, uh, feels good about uh, the speed of the greens, uh, then this could be a place and that Jordan Spieth um, gets back in that winner's circle at a, at a major championship. And what's really interesting to me is that Spieth has been playing well for about a year and a half now. Uh, I, I thought last year he had it back. Um, obviously won the, the, the Texas Open heading into the Masters last year. Um, so he got back in the winner's circle there. But I don't think a run of good form at Augusta would be coming out of nowhere for Jordan Spieth. He's been putting it together for about a year and a half now, hasn't he? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, he, he was in contention at the Open Championship. Um, he, he was in contention at the Masters. He's played really well. I, I think after the Ryder Cup, we saw him kind of take a little bit of a a dive on his approach numbers, which, you know, it could be he was tired. It could be, you know, everything had gotten to him towards the end of the season. I mean, there's a lot of pressure there. Uh, having a season where he didn't win a major, where I think he would, thought he was primed to win another major, um, might have been a little bit of a disappointment. So we saw him um, struggle, especially he went to Tigers uh, tournament, the Hero Challenge, and really struggled there. And I, that got me a little bit worried. but then. We saw him start to pick back up his game, uh, especially with his irons and his driver um, at Pebble Beach. Uh, you know, almost won there. And, you know, he's been a little bit hit or miss. And the putter is crazy because, it, I mean, between the last two weeks, if you look at his putting even during the match play, I mean, he lost over five strokes there. So it, it's just not like him. And I think uh, this week is it, going to be a good week for him to kind of get back, you know, the volatility of a putter. It's famous. So um, I'm hoping that this week gets him back in the group. For, for an amateur player, uh, quick, fast greens probably isn't the best way to, to get your putter back. But for a professional player, Augusta's greens could be the perfect way to get your putting back because you know the putt is going to roll true. You can commit to your lines, and that gives you more confidence than anything sometimes. When you're yep. having some woes with the putter, so I really love that one as well. And by the way, there's a theme happening here um, with your first two picks. I think JT and, and Jordan are two of the most creative players on tour, and 
uh, Augusta National definitely some demands some creativity. It's not um, just a, a grip and rip golf course. You got to be able to move the golf ball and, and have a really great short game. So that's exciting. I'm, I'm pumped to talk about the next player on your card, Dennis. Will Zalatoris, 33 to one. Uh, his debut performance. Uh, you, you talked about him finishing second last year to Hideki Matsuyama. We, we talk about course history. So let me just ask you that first, right? When you're playing the Masters, experience is always something that people talk about as being paramount. Will Zalatoris only has four rounds of experience, but super successful at that point. Are you concerned at all that, that it's a too small of a sample size? <laughs> I'm a little concerned um, as far as that goes. As far as, you know, he, he didn't put himself in a lot of trouble last year, so he hasn't seen the the tough side of the Masters when the wind is really ripping, um, when, when you put up a big number, when you're supposed to go low, you know, if, if you, you happen to, you know, make a double bogey on 12 or, um, you know, make a bogey on a par five, which he's dominated everywhere he's been. I, I, I we haven't seen that yet from him, but I love what he's doing uh, from TD Green. And I, you just can't deny it. Ball strikers play so well here. I mean, the the past champions are just littered with guys that can control the golf ball, get it on the proper level. And then his putting has been a little bit better. He, You know, it's never going to be great, but if he can putt to like an even, maybe even a slightly positive, he could dominate it with the way he hits the ball off the tee and from the fairways. So, you know, I, I just love him. You could you could get him all the way to forty to one at some some shops. So at forty to one, I I, I love putting him in my back pocket this week. You can find my uh, how to play your Masters pool, your classic Masters pool, based on World Golf Rankings uh, this week on the Athletic as well, and that's in front of the paywall. So to, so go please check that out. All this content is in, is in front of the paywall, which is exciting. And we appreciate you being here and, and reading our content this week leading up to the Masters. And just a couple numbers. I picked Will Zalatoris in my third tier. Um, players ranked 21 to 30 in the in the World Golf Rankings as, as my one of my horses this week. And for the same reason you just mentioned. And his ball striking is absurd. In, in his last 24 rounds on the PGA Tour, compared to this Masters field, Will Zalatoris ranks first in shots gained approach and second in shots gained ball striking. Like he has potential to put on an absolute tee to green clinic this week at Augusta. And that's the strength of his game and hitting off those tight lies. You're going to hear me say tight lies, Dennis, like a thousand different times on this show. But I truly believe that there's a, there's a skill set um, that is, that is crucial. You'd think that all the guys on tour have the ability to just pick it clean um, every single shot, but some of them are just leaps and bounds better at, at others, and Will Zalatoris can can do that and do that well. Um, sh- the putting aspect, Dennis, for Zalatoris, to me, it's very weird, and it's it signifies how golf can be just like a, a mental cluster. And when Zalatoris has that putter in his hand, Dennis, from like 12 feet, I'm super confident that he's going to put it in the hole, right? <laughs> yep. When he has yep. it from four and a half feet, that's when it's when it's nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> it's not even nerve wracking. It's almost you, you you chalk it up as ah, he's not going to make that one. You know, like at like at the farmers, you knew he was not going to make that putt. It, it he missed it before he even stepped up, and I think he's going to have to have to get better in that six 
that six foot range. Um, he's got to make those almost automatic if he's going to get to the level that we see Scotty Scheffler hitting early in the year. I mean, the way Scheffler's putting, it's just you know he gets within within ten feet. It, you, you're you're walking away like Tiger, you know. Yeah, I I might not even watch. I mean, when if, <laughs> if they sh- if if CBS or ESPN shows a Zalatoris. Uh, three footer. I'm, I just may turn around. I don't know if I'm comfortable being able to watch that this week. But um, before we get into our our next player that that is on Dennis's ticket this week, um, let's let's do some interaction with some subscribers. Remember, you can request to be on stage. And uh, Martin P. Uh, Martin P. is is now with us, and, and we're we're excited to to have you join us and take your question. What's going on, Martin? Hey, hey, hello, everybody. Can you hear me well? Yes, sir. Okay, so. My question is uh, about Colin Morikawa. It seems like um, a number one contender to me to win the Masters. So, what do you think about him, and what do you think that he, w- w- what competition he could bring to the table, uh, like against, let's say, Tiger Woods? It's all you, Dennis. I see him in your three chances to win uh, part of your column. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and it was surprising because I, I wrote up that part of the column uh, with Morikawa because I, I, originally I wasn't putting him in, on my ticket. But to get Morikawa, um, Cantlay, and Shoffley all on the same ticket at plus 650 um, w- was interesting to me. Like, I, I can throw that on my ticket and not worry about it. But after that, I started doing more due diligence on Morikawa and what he's thinking going into this Masters. And now I'm starting to really like him, especially in DFS, more more than betting because his odds are still pretty short. Um, so Morikawa talked about the fact that he was going into the tournaments with the wrong mindset. He had the wrong game plan. He was trying to hit big draws where, you know, the course calls for it, but that's not his game. So he was seeing – he was putting himself in trouble off the tee before he even stepped up to the team. So now this year he's going into it knowing, like, I'm going to play my fade. I'm going to pick out spots where I can hit it a little harder or I'm going to have to lay back a little further, but I'm going to play my best shot at this course and see what happens. And I love the fact that he's confident in his game plan going in, um, which is is something that I I think he's kind of under the radar. I mean, he's already halfway to the career Grand Slam at his age. It's unbelievable. And the fact that he's he's honing in on this game plan, knowing that I have this shot in the bag, I can use it whenever I want it, I think it's a great uh, tribute to him. Um, we saw, you know, he overcame his struggles at Riviera. It, I mean, a course that was so close to his house, and he, and he really never played it well until this year, where he almost made an amazing run to win the tournament. So I, I really like the fact that he has a great game plan going into this week. Thank, thanks for that question, Martin. And and that's, uh, by the way, I, I love that plus 650 on there. That's that's why you're the pro, Dennis. I think that was a really good find. Um, and it's a it's a good number to get three of the best players in the world, who who I I do think would could potentially win this week. I'm not as high on on Colin Morikawa this week, Martin, just because of what I witnessed um, in Texas at the Dell match play. I just thought he was super swipey, like with, with his iron play. Um, he was committed to, to hitting the ball left to right, but 
he was missing the green to the right uh, way, way too often. And that being the strength of his game, I'm just a little concerned that the strength of his game isn't exactly where he wants it to be right now. Um, so he, he's not on my card more Cal is, but the reason why these, so these guys are so good is because they can take something like that and, and turn it around quickly. Um, and, and he could have his, his game together this weekend. It's, it's a golf cliche, right? The golf cliche is if you take away half of the golf course, it gives you a better chance to win. That's what DJ does, right? Just like Jack Nicholas. I think Jack is the, the perfect person, the golden bear. He did this as well. He took away the left side of the golf course. He didn't hit draws. He hit high power fades. That's what DJ did on his way to winning a green jacket. And maybe Colin Morikawa could be the next one uh, to pull that off. So uh, before we get back to some audience questions, I want and I want to get to Jared in a second. Jared, I appreciate you hopping back on with us, um, always hanging out while we do these, these live rooms. Because there's an interesting name here uh, on your ticket at, at now more than 50 to 1, Matt Fitzpatrick, the Englishman. What do you like about his game, Dennis? Yeah, I, I just think Matt Fitzpatrick's, form is so good that you really can't ignore him right now. I mean, coming in with four top tens and stroke play events out of his last five, um, he did finish seventh here his first time here, but hasn't performed well since then. And I think kind of his game has been, you know, hit or miss since then all over the world. He still doesn't have a win on the PGA Tour. So I'm not, you know, it's tough for me to bet him and say, this is going to be his first PGA Tour win is the Masters. I think that's a little, it's a little tough to ask of him, but I really think he could be in contention and give you a shot at a hedge, especially if you can shop him up to a 70 to one, 80 to one number right now, which is, to me, for a guy in the form he's in right now, I, I think that's amazing. Uh, and especially the way he's driving the ball, he's driving it longer than he ever has. And he's putting it in the spots he needs to. Um, he's controlling the, the driver tremendously right now with a little pop to go with it. So I'm, I'm excited about Fitzpatrick, uh, especially if you can get him at a good number. I think he's a good guy to have on your ticket for a chance at a hedge or possibly a surprise win. You know, I, I don't think his first win will be the Masters, but I think, you know, it's more about getting yourself to Sunday and giving yourself the best option to cash out a nice pick. The only thing I'll add to that is um, he puts with the flag stick in, which <laughs> bothers me. I, it's, it's hard to watch, and I'm sure <laughs> he he made this change recently. I, I think over the last couple of years, and yep. some of the guys did on tour as well. I know it was uh, during the the pandemic at golf courses around the world. Everybody was was putting with the flag stick in, and now those rules and regulations have been removed. You can take the flag stick out at your local golf course, at your club, um, at the Muni, but on the PGA tour, everybody's now going back to taking the stick out, but he, he hasn't, um, he's, he feels comfortable with the stick in. So uh, if you're going to watch Matt Fitzpatrick play this week, expect to, to see that. Um, let's get Jared on the show. Uh, Jared, good to talk to you, man. Good to have you back. Hey, thanks for setting this up. I always love these discussions. So uh, thanks for having me back on stage. No doubt. For sure. So uh, from a DFS perspective, I'm looking to build a lineup. And I know there's like some guys like JT, Ron, you know, guys that you could easily plug in and, you know, hope they could place high. But what do you think about some of the mid-tier guys? I'm looking at Tony Finau. I know he's been, you know, struggling for a little bit. 
this season. But if you look at his past history at the Masters, obviously he's had some success. So I'd love to get your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I wrote up Finau um, in the DFS article that was posted today. He's at the lowest price he's ever been the last four years at the, at the Masters. He really loves the course. Uh, he's won the par three. He just, you know, he's a great fit for this course off the tee and on his approach shots. He struggled with his putter and around the greens. I, I think the putting struggles led to him starting to lose his focus as far as chipping the ball, you know, trying to get it so close that he was going to put pressure on his putter. And we've seen that really hurt his game ever since his win at the Northern Trust. I think with his course history, the fact that he's amazing in majors, he's, he's within the top five as far as players in this field um, in percentage of top tens at majors. So I think that's surprising because he always seems to backdoor a top 10 at these majors. Um, the big thing that's going for him is he gained 3.89 strokes on approach at the Valero Texas Open, which shows me that his, his irons are there. He can, he's hitting the ball well off the tee. Um, I think he's comfortable on these greens. Like we, we talked about some of the, some of the worst putters can putt well here. You know, Hideki Matsuyama won, and he's not a great putter because they rolled true. They just have to get him online, and they also have to give themselves chances to be putting uphill and not from the wrong side of the green where three putts happen very easily. So uh, I like Fino at 8,100. I think he's a good option. I think you're going to see a lot of players looking at Hatton at 8,000, um, maybe answer after he had a nice little run there. And, and answers played well here before. So he's in a spot where I think 80, you know, paying 8,100 for him is easy for me. Uh, I actually, I actually caught uh, Finau on the latest episode of America's Caddy with, with Michael Collins um, this week. And he was part of the show and Finau is just in a place where you could tell he was feeling confident. He was feeling positive. He was so thrilled about being at Augusta. He talked about how, you know, as a kid, um, he dreamed to be on this stage. And, and his ultimate goal is to, to win the green jacket. And sometimes we don't talk about motivation enough, but little windows into a player's state of mind like that sometimes can go a long way. Dennis, he feels like Tony does. He feels like right now, He's oozing with confidence, even though maybe the results haven't been there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I've, I've been pestering his caddy to find out what's going on with his game. Uh, I like, you know, I try to leave him alone as much as I can. Uh, his caddy, Mark Urbanek's a good friend. And, you know, I think he's excited about the way he was hitting the ball the last few weeks, what he's seeing from him on the range. Um and this is a place, I mean, you know, Tiger Woods is his hero. Like, you know, he's dreamt about the Masters. Uh, you know, Tony's a very easygoing guy, but I think at the Masters, he has a real sense that, that he can put his mark on the game by playing well here. And in that famous win, uh, Tiger Woods' famous win in 2019, Tony Finau was in that final group. He had yep, yep. a first row seat to watch that history unfold. And you can only imagine he maybe saw himself 
doing that himself one day. So that, that would be fun. Uh, Jared, any, anybody else you're thinking about this week that, that we could chat about? Um, I was going to say the Belgian bomber per usual, but I'm not really sure <laughs> if I'm liking them this year. Um, you know, how I, how I always bring them up, but, um, I actually want to get your guys' insight on any first time guy and potentially any low amateurs that will be, um, coming into this year. Cool. I appreciate you, Jared. We'll talk to you soon, man. We'll, we'll answer that now. Uh, Thank you. First timers, if I could jump on that one real quick, Dennis. You got uh, it. How, how do you feel about Sam Burns? I, I really like Sam Burns. I think when he's at his best off the tee, this course is made for him. Um, I love the fact that he's finally getting to play. I think he, if you look back at when Tiger Woods first went against him and had to ask David Toms about him, um, he knew that his game would get him to the Masters and that he could play well here. I think uh, the win at the Valspar, you know, backing up his win two years in a row, just shows, like, you know, what type of player he is. Um, and I like his price. I can't believe he's priced below Gooch, you know. Two first-time players, Burns is a three-time winner, yet you're getting $100 off of Gooch's price. I think it's crazy. That's a good call-out. Taylor Gooch is somebody that, in my opinion, is, has gotten a, a ton of hype for um, being atop of the the famous FedEx Cup standings because of some early season success. Um, I think there's a regression to the mean that's going to happen here over the next six months when, when all these guys are out playing golf. But I like his game as well. Um, but, but Sam Burns, to me, if there's a first time, if there's a, a debut taunt who could be out there and, and you could find him um, having success, an LSU guy, um, he wouldn't be the first uh, LSU guy in the in the final group of the Masters. Unfortunately, the name that's coming to mind is Smiley Kaufman, who um, oh, is not in the field this week, and um, I don't think he'll be in the field anytime soon. And I didn't make the, mean Dennis to take a shot at him, but just happened to pop in the brain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm rooting for him. I know, I know, Smiley's still sponsored by Anheuser Busch, so at least they have some hopes for him. And uh, you know, it's it's difficult to see somebody who you know was mentioned in the same breath as all these other great young players, and you know his game's falling off, but. We've seen that before with tons of people. Like uh, just today, I was thinking about Kevin Na and Ty Tryon. We're both phenoms coming out of high school at the same time. And look where Kevin Na is now. It, you know, and everyone thought Ty Tryon was going to be that type of player. Very interesting. Um, so let, let's finish off before we get to some, some more audience questions. Let's finish off your outright ticket. Um, Billy Horschel, Billy Hogolf. Uh, he's been on he's been playing golf great worldwide, hasn't he? He has. I mean, you know, winning on the European Tour, winning the match play last year, uh, being in contention in big tournaments and in, in world golf championships. You know, he's surprising for what he's doing off the tee. You know, you think of him as a short short hitter. You think of him as a bulldog. But he, he's 18th in the field in strokes gained off the tee. This, you know, in his last 24 rounds, I think that's surprising. When we saw him go against um, Scotty Scheffler, we were hitting the ball pretty much the same distance off the tee when Billy got got a hold of it. So, but it's the short game that's been carrying. He has been a magician on the greens and around the greens. And I think of the guys I have here, he's the one that's most off as far as um, 
you know, the the model of the player that I like at the Masters. I think if he can contend, if there's ever a year he can, it's this year because of the way his short game is, he could be the Patrick Reed of this year. Um, and you can shop him all the way up to 101 at some sites, which the hedge potential, you know, for when Horschel eventually gets angry on that back nine on Sunday, um, you know, is, is tremendous at 101, uh, 80 to one right now on, on that MGM. So that's why you're a pro Dennis. I mean, anybody who follows the, the game of golf knows that Billy Horschel is in potentially the best run of form of his entire career. And to get him coming into Augusta, he's a guy that, that plays on Southern grass, warm weather turf from the state of Florida. Um, to see him at 80, almost up to 100 to 1, it's that's juicy, man. That's good stuff. Let's get another question in from Omar before we head to some top 10 plays this week. Omar, what's going on? Thanks for joining the show. Hey, not much. Uh, two quick questions, if I may. Um, assuming the weather stays, you know, at Augusta, like for the tournament, uh, just dry and windy those days, um, do you see a winning score of uh, like 7 to 10 under, something like that? It's a great question. What do you think, Dennis? Yeah, right now I ha- I have the number pegged at like 11 to 12 under. Um, I think Thursday scoring, it's going to be wet. I think you're going to see some good scoring off of the rain on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. I think the course, you know, and I think some the longer hitters are going to take advantage of that. They're going to be able to get those irons onto levels where they wouldn't be able to when the course is dried out. Um. Friday is the real issue. Friday looks like it's going to be windy in the, you know, in the after, like morning to afternoon. And that could bring scores a little bit lower before a nice weekend. Um, so for me, it looks like 11 to 12 under is going to be the number. Mm. I just think the way that the best players in the world are playing right now, I think they're going to, they're going to try and play it the way Tiger used to take advantage of the par fives. Um, and just par is a good score everywhere else. You know what I mean? So if they can build a lead, build build a good score on Thursday, I think it could bring them a long way towards a 12-under score. I think that maybe we learned something from the players this year, Dennis, right? I, I keep mm-hmm. – when I'm looking at the forecast, and I'm glad Omar brought up the weather because, <clears throat> hey, you got to talk about weather when it comes to golf, right? Because different weather has a, a, a certain impact on certain players. And I think when you're sharp like Dennis is, uh, he can provide some great insight into that. And one thing that I learned from the players, one thing that maybe I didn't consider is, and, and this week is almost, it's not shaping up in the same way. The, the thunderstorms are going to get out of there before tournament play. So we're not going to deal with the delays like we did at the players. But it's, it's a very similar system. And here I am going weatherman on you. I did take a meteorology <laughs> class uh, in college, by the way, so I can fake it for just a second. Is after that front moves through, like it did at the Players' Championship, the back end is going to be a little bit chillier and windy, right? So that setup feels super familiar. And there was a huge emphasis placed in that tournament on being on the right side or the wrong side of the draw. So if I'm sitting here today, and obviously things can change, where do you think that you could potentially project where the right side of the draw could be this week? 
to to me looking at it just as it sits now i think early early late um is the way to go as far as picking like your your wave of golfers uh, i think you want guys out early on thursday um late on friday i think the wind the wind's going to be bad in the morning from what it looks like um so you really don't want them having you know a cold uh late round on thursday going into a super windy wet round early on friday i don't think that's the best the best setup for a lot of players so you know if you're making lineups i think you can definitely put one together that kind of looks at that wave you know try to build your 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 guys around that wave and then you know from there otherwise you know if the wind is down on friday you know then it's not a big deal but it, this way, at least you're covered if it becomes a big situation. I think hearing you go through that makes me want to circle guys that are just simply teeing off early on Thursday morning because the course is going to be soft. The winds may not be quite in town just yet. And that 7 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. window on Thursday morning might be the best scoring conditions of the week, um, similarly to how they were at the players uh, for, for that opening round. So I think that's really an interesting note to think about as we get into um, our top 10 uh, bets here that you have in your, your column, Dennis. Let's let's run through these quickly. Um, we've got Brooks Kepka, we've got Russell Henley, and we've got Kevin Kisner, three players in this category. If you could just walk me through your, your thought process behind including them here. Well, for me, uh, Brooks Kepka jumps out based on the way he was driving the ball at the um, – at the match play, I loved what I saw. I think driving distance um, is going to be huge this week with the wet course. With it lengthened, it's you know it's probably going to play over 7,500 yards with no run out uh, for at least two days. So I think Kepka gets a big advantage, and the fact that you know he, what he's done in major championships is unparalleled around you know within this tournament as far as the players in there. Um, his scoring the his percentage of top tens is ridiculous. He's played great here until last year when he was hobbled. He wasn't himself. You know, I took him to miss the cut. That's how confident I was that his knee wasn't right. And by the way, and he, he, that. And it, and he missed the cut. This year he's healthy. I think I think he's a little frustrated off the course. I mean, we've seen him kind of, you know, have have some little spats with with um, some fans, and I think that just breeds from his competitiveness. I think I think he's trying to get back into that top ten. He's trying to get back in in the minds of everyone in the nation as far as the guy you pick at majors. And going into this Masters, I think he's kind of forgotten. So you you know, getting him at plus one ninety, it's not the best number in the world. But of all the players up there who I'm confident can play their way around a major championship, dependent on the conditions, and get in the top ten, I love Kevin. You're speaking my language, too. And when I put together my pool picks for the week, um, and you can find all this content, content on The Athletic, by the way. Um, check out the app for, for all this information after, after you're done listening to the show and dive some, a little deeper into some, some notes and some stats and some analytics. But I am just a huge fan of, of the idea that a winner this week is going to really use – 
strength and power around this golf course, right? You said it, 7,500 yards and soft. That really means if you if you can carry the ball a long way, you have a distinct advantage um, over over some other players. So uh, this would make sense to, to to see Brooks play well, considering I'm not sure if there's a player stronger on tour than him. Um, although if you saw Tiger on the range today and the way his upper body looked, uh, he might give him, give him a run for his money, man. Tiger was swole, man. Like, oh my goodness. Body, I mean, I want to know his, his his routine. It's ridiculous at 46 years old that he can look like that right now. <laughs> it's it's remarkable. It's, it's and uh, one of the things I'll say about Tiger, and I know he can't do it this year, but there's no doubt in my mind that that Tiger being at this year's Masters, while Phil Mickelson was politely told maybe not to show up, um, I think Tiger loves that. And I think that Tiger also is now has a new goal on his whiteboard, and that is to become the oldest major champion at some point and take that from Phil as well. So this is not over. That that rivalry um, is not gone. And by the way, the PIP, um, the new way the tour rewards players for being talked about on social media, uh, the phrase growing the game comes to mind, which we can quibble about, but. Tiger and Phil, they're they're at the top of that list this year. So everybody's still talking about them and their rivalry is 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 still existing now like it did in nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, how about Russell Henley? I like Russell Henley this week too, Dennis. Yeah, I really like Henley. I love the way he's playing this year. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately he he ran into one of the best second shots uh I've ever seen on on in a playoff with Matsuyama went in the Sony. Um, otherwise, he'd, he'd have a win under his belt because he, he's just been tremendous. Uh, Tita Green, uh, hardly anyone better on the tour. Um, he, the, you know, he went to Georgia. He's played well here before. It's been a few years since he's been back at Augusta National. But, I mean, both of those were top 15s where, you know, he put up some great numbers. So I, I love Henley, plus 250 for a top 10. I think – if it comes down to ball striking this week, you, you want Henley uh, on your ticket. So I grabbed him in my pool picks this week. Uh, players ranked uh, 41st to 50th in the world. Uh, Russell Henley currently ranked the 42nd uh, best player in the world. And for, for a lot of those uh, same reasons, it's just been an amazing year of golf. And I would even call it, Dennis, a career resurgence. Just considering he hasn't played um, in the Masters um, since 2018. So when we talk about motivation, when we talk about where you are mentally, taking this tournament not for granted. Henley has to be somebody in the field at 32 years old who says, I worked my ass off to get back here. I feel really good about my game, and I'm going to finish. I believe it's a top 12 finish gets you invited into the next yes. year's tournament. Yes. So that's part of this as well. If he gets that done and finishes in the top 12, he's back again next year. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's not in uh, the back of his mind. And then finally, Kevin Kisner, who we saw at the match play, do it again. The guy's an absolute machine. Can he, like, can someone just put him on the President's Cup team this year? Uh, just just put him <laughs> on the team. I, it's Captain's pick, whether he makes it or not, Kisner deserves to be on that, te- that team at Quail Hollow here in Charlotte, where I am. I'm, I'm really pumped for that. 
um, competition in September. But what do you like about his game this week at Augusta? Yeah, I just I like the current form. I like what he's doing around the greens. You know, this isn't a great course setup for him. It, it's so long that he really can't get to even some of the par fives and two. Um, but it, it's just the form of it of what he's doing around the greens and with his putter that I love. So it's more, I wrote him up because I wanted to talk about him. I wanted to talk about the fact that he was unbelievable at the Players' Championship, that he's on a great run of form right here, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top 10. Of those guys in that range, he's my favorite to kind of jump up the board, especially if the score stays at like plus, you know, minus nine to, to minus 11 for the, for the leaders. I think Kisner could, could jump there into the top 10. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like him this year because of his current form, because of what he's doing lately. Um, you know, it, it's a shame because a couple of years ago he was automatic in certain tournaments. Then, then his irons kind of let slip a little bit, and I think uh, we're seeing that iron play um, come back big time, uh, especially what he did at the Players' Championship this year. We've got a few more things to hit on before we wrap up this uh, edition of the show. And by the way, if you if you if you've got into the room about halfway through, uh, if you haven't been able to listen to the full show, this will be published in the Best on the Board podcast feed. So check that out uh, after the show, and we'll make sure we get that on demand listening available for you over the next day and a half before things uh, get started with the uh, the opening tee shots from the legends on on Thursday morning. There's a name here we haven't talked about yet uh, that falls in your top five bet category, Dennis, at plus 400, and it's uh, Victor Hovland. Yeah, I mean, Victor Hovland, it's so funny because I wrote him up, I was really thinking about him, and then I'm getting reports from the course that he does not look good. So, you know, that's interesting to me, that multiple people have said, He's not driving the ball as well as he has the last couple of weeks. So, you know, to be careful with him. For me, I think that might just be, you know, him getting back used to the course again, his aiming points. Because if you look at what he's done recently from Tiki to Green, I mean, there's nobody you'd rather, you know, put in your lineup or put on your ticket. I mean, second over his last 24 rounds, he's second in the field in strokes gain approach third in ball striking. He's 16th in strokes gained off the tee. Um, he hits like a, almost like a little baby um, draw, like when he's really hitting it good, but he also can fade it. You look at what he did at the Arnold Palmer and the players. I mean, he gained over 15 strokes on approach between those two tournaments. Those are tough tournaments. And, he, and he's just crushing the ball from tee to green. So the only thing that scares me with him is his play from the sand and around the greens. I think he can putt well enough from 20 feet to 12 feet. Uh, he's one of the better guys there. He, he makes birdies and bunches. He's, he makes eagles. Everything about his game I love, except for if he puts himself in tough situations in the sand. He just hasn't played well from the sand. And at the Masters, that's not the biggest of deals. The only time it really comes up is maybe on four um, on the long par three, if you bail out to the left, you end up in that sand, and you could you could make a five easy from there. So, um, yeah, I like him. 
plus 400 for the way he's playing. I mean, he's got, let's see, one, two, three, four, four top fives in his last 10 tournaments. I mean, that's tough to beat against really good, strong competition, too. Some may call it blasphemous, but um, considering how many really strong iron players there are on tour. Um, but if if I'm 220 out and I'm handing my guy a six iron, I think I want Hovland to take that shot. When, when I see him hit mid irons from over 200 yards, it's a sight to behold. And if it's if it's soft this week at, at Augusta, those shots are going to come into play, aren't they? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, if it's soft, you're gonna you're gonna be hitting from a lot longer spots, and you want players that are comfortable with those you know longer irons. And the fact that they're not even long irons for them anymore. I know. You know, it's it's hysterical. They're not hitting three irons into these greens. They're hitting six irons and seven irons, 220 yards, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the way he covers the ball is fantastic. Yep. He's so athletic. He's not a big guy. You think he is when you hear him hit a golf ball. But he's, you know, he's a smaller guy. He's like Justin Thomas size, but just a little bit stronger. So, yeah, I, I, I like Hovland at that number, the plus 400 for – for top five, I think it's a solid bet. Um, I don't think he's, he's going to win. That's why I don't have him as a winner, because I just don't think he's good enough around the greens right now to win the Masters. Yeah, I, I love this, Dennis. I could keep going for hours. And, in fact, if, if you said, hey, man, let's just go through every player in the field, I would say, hey, let's do it. Go ahead. It's it's Masters week. And uh, maybe in the future that could be something fun for you and I to do, to just take a field and just go all at it and and give a quick take on every single player in the field. That would be fun. But before we get out of here today, we do have a little bit of a time constraint. we got to get out of here. It's been a fun 50 minutes or so on the show. Um, let's let's talk about some props. Let's let's talk about two fun props that you have in the bottom here of your your column on the athletic, uh, a hole in one and a winner to par the 72nd hole, which is a fun one. I really like that one on the famous 18. Yeah, I mean, going you know, we'll we'll start with the hole in one. So hole in one in the tournament right now minus 175 is a yes, um, or no at plus 130. I think a lot of people, you know, you, you focus on the famous hole-in-ones at 16, and it makes you think, oh, there's hole-in-ones all the time at this course. Well, there's, there really isn't. There's been more lately because the players are just so good with those mid-irons. I mean, they're hitting eight irons into the green, and they're putting it right next to the hole. Um, so 16 is the only danger I see as far as potential hole-in-one. We haven't seen one at 12 since 1988 with Curtis Strange. Jeff Sluman is the only one who has one at the fourth. Um, Corey Connors had one at the sixth in 2021. But beyond that, I I, I think this year, um, because of the wind, especially on Friday, I think I think going with no at plus 130 is my bet. And you know, a lot of people make fun of me. They'll say it's because I don't like to have fun. <laughs> Whatever, you know, it's still fun to see them try. So yeah, I'm going with no at plus one thirty, but uh, I I don't blame you for going yes. You know, it's like it's like me taking an under while you're taking the over. You know, if you see the hole in one, and I'll, I'll I'll predict this on the show, and I don't know exactly what type of odds you can get on this. I wish you could go like day by day based on pin locations, but 
when the pin is um, close to that bunker on the bottom shelf of that 16th green where the players can land it into the middle and watch it funnel to the left down the hill. Yeah. That, if, if it happens, I think it happens there on that pin location. And that's the exact shot that we see go in somebody uh, using that slope and ha- having it drop in. But there's a lot of variables that, that go along with that. And it's not like, um, TPC Scottsdale at the WM where they set it up specifically because they want to have, yeah. uh, have the crowd uh, see that hole in one. And then this final prop of the day, I think this final pick of the day, uh, the winner to par the 72nd hole getting yes at plus 110 is, yeah, yes is, at plus is, 110. Um, crazy. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, you're, you're struggling to hold on to the wheel to win the Masters. I totally get it. If you're two strokes up, bogey win wins it for you. You're not going to be um, too aggressive with your second shot. You might you might not hit driver off the tee. You might play three wood short of that bunker on the left instead. So that puts you in a situation where you get a long shot in for your second uphill to a, a pin that's usually tucked in a gully between two levels of the green. So you know we've seen players make bogey. Uh, most of the time, there hasn't been a birdie to win since 2004 with Phil Mickelson. So for me, I'm saying yes, because I think players are going to need a par. I think there's going to be enough great players bunched at the top where a par is going to be needed to win this year. Um, I don't think anybody's going to have a big enough cushion where a bogey uh, gets them. I think even that final group, there could be a two-shot swing um, with the with the way, you know, the form of the players going into this. So, yeah, I'm excited about the 18th. I, I just – I feel like at least there's money on the line. I'm rooting for a par. You know, if, if he makes bogey to win, ah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bite my, my fingernails. That's all I'll do, you know. And and I would argue that uh, bogey on the 18th is a bad score. Like, I, I, I do think for a professional player, I know it's a tight shoot coming out of that tee box – I know that you could put yourself in a bad position, but if you do hit a nice cut shot and find yourself in the fairway, par from the fairway is not the hardest thing in the world. No, no, because there's multiple ways to get to the pin. You know, if you hit it, you know, over the pin by 10 feet, it can roll back. You could skip it in. You could hit it a little left and have, have a bigger landing space to get to that pin. Um, on the 72nd hole. So, yeah, I think there's a lot more ways to make par there. I just think sometimes guys have such a big lead that they kind of let their concentration go. And, um, and you know, we've seen, we've seen, you know, guys make bogey a lot there, you know, when they're in contention, when they really should. Uh, I remember Jason Day missing putts there multiple times when he was in contention. And it just drives me nuts. And one thing that's that's hard to project is is nerves, it's pressure, and everything that comes along with being in contention um, on the back nine at Augusta on Sunday. And it'll happen this Sunday. Dennis, Masters Week is here. It's it's been unbelievably fun chatting with you today about the field, uh, about guys who could potentially play well uh, this week down in Augusta, Georgia, it's beautiful in the Southeast. I mentioned I lived here, I live here in Charlotte and uh, springtime is, is here and we're, we're going to see it in full bloom um, over the next 
five or six days at Augusta National. Um, so please follow Dennis on Twitter at Coach Esser. You can ask him more questions there. Uh, read his columns on The Athletic this week as well. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on air. Uh, my pool picks are published now. I'm going to have a, a column tomorrow that is tournament matchup picks. Um, I love head-to-head matchups. Uh, I, I like kind of comparing two different styles of game, what works on Augusta National, what does, and hopefully I can find some diamonds in the rough for, for our readers um, there. But until next time, Dennis, I hope you have a great week and, and, and you enjoy the golf. Same to you, John. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us today. Best of luck this week. You know, make sure you enjoy it. <laughs> Give your dad a call. <laughs> Talk about the Masters. This is, that's what this week's for. Absolutely. It's a tradition unlike any other, and it's a great American tradition. And it's finally here. We'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for being here.